0: Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now, your hosts, Jason and Peely. And welcome to another edition of the Real Estate Investing Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Super excited for today's Friday's episode. We're going to do a flashback to a episode of a podcast where I was featured on talking about some of what we've been doing, some of how we got started, and just a little bit more about us. So listen in, enjoy.
1: See, how you doing, Jason?
0: I'm doing great, Joe. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. And we have got a treat for all of you multifamily syndicators out there, or... Any best ever listener who wants to be a multifamily syndicator, Jason is going to talk to us about a 94-unit apartment community that he recently purchased in Louisville, Kentucky. A little bit more about Jason. He is a managing partner at Oak Capital Partners. He currently owns that 94-unit apartment community and flips 10 houses a year in New Jersey His family heavy construction business, WA Building Movers, has elevated over 1,600 homes to help restore the New Jersey coastline since Hurricane Sandy. And he's based in Westfield, New Jersey. So, with that being said, Jason, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Sure. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate you having me on, of course. So, yeah, I'm in New Jersey come from a heavy construction background, we're five generation in construction with our focus being in moving and lifting buildings. So for the last couple of decades that's what we've been doing day in and day out. And my father really pushed it along and when Hurricane Sandy happened, it really became apparent there was a lot of homeowners in need that needed to raise their house to become FEMA compliant and mainly just to get homeowners back home. So it's been very hot and heavy for those last few years. And we've been pushing ourselves more into real estate just to better diversify ourselves and create passive income and generational wealth and all those other avenues. So we have been flipping homes here locally and then looking at larger apartment complexes out of state and markets better met the metrics we were searching for.
1: So you're moving homes, you're flipping homes, and you're buying apartment communities. How do you determine where your focus goes?
0: It's been a learning curve. (laughs) It sure has. I'm not going to lie, right? I think we both know the term where focus goes, energy flows, right? And so it's definitely been a learning curve. Uh, Of course, WA building takes a lot of time. It's a very unique niche. So I've grown the business where we've been able to bring in team members that can handle a lot of the components of the business. But there's still parts of it that I haven't been able to let go, even if I've wanted to, because of this unique nature of the business. But I've found ways to block my time in a way that I can put my energy to there at certain times and then push it to the other avenues, the flipping business and also now the large apartment business as allowable.
1: So you got the moving business, you've got the flipping business, those two businesses make you decent money. Why move into
0: apartments? Easiest part is that not everybody is moving their house twice. So I'm currently always having to go out and do a new project. I'm constantly looking for a new project. It's a point and it's hard work. So I'm always looking to buy properties and, or move properties or lift properties. And it's basically a job. And what we wanted to do was buy properties that help us. We can improve the value and have them help us grow that wealth factor that can not only help me, hopefully my kids, their kids, et cetera, down the line.
1: Mm, Okay. Understood. So the first two, the flipping and the moving of homes it doesn't have reoccurring income, whereas the apartments, once you buy something, then in theory, it will have reoccurring income and you don't have to constantly be eating what you kill.
0: Correct. Assuming that you buy right and set yourself up correctly and find the right property that's able to perform in the way that you hopefully anticipate or make the corrections as needed. Yep.
1: Okay. All right. So now that's the segue to 94 unit apartment community in louisville you're in new jersey how'd you find it just tell a story about it please
0: sure we started focusing on markets that had a number of things. We wanted something that had, had growth and the growth was happening. It wasn't aggressive. We weren't seeing huge peaks, but 2 to 3% over the last 10, 15 years has jobs and job diversity. It's got UPS, FedEx, Amazon, University of Louisville has a ton of tourism for the Kentucky Derby. So it has a lot of action there and it's not based on just one different sector. You have bourbon, you have a million different things pushing that area. And beyond that, I had seemingly boost on the ground. And that was, I had friends that grew up with me in New Jersey, very good friends that their family was from there. They'd moved back there. And my sister randomly found her way there over 10 years ago and worked for GE there in the market. So I knew Louisville, even though I'm not there day in and day out. And I just had seen this growth and this transformation that continued to happen there. So that was one of the major reasons why we chose that market and said, okay, we're going to look at this market and we're going to go after B and C assets that are 75 to 100 units that have some kind of inefficiency to it, whether it be on the management side or the property side, built 1970 or newer. And in certain submarkets where there wasn 't a lot of new apartments coming online within the immediate or the next few years
1: okay seventy five to a hundred units, how did you pick that window of units?
0: When we were looking at it, it was a mind barrier at first because we had just had rentals, and the rentals were duplexes, triplexes, and to make that jump, it seemed so aggressive, but as we got our mind around to that. We realized that when we're at 75, really pushing to 100, it allowed us for the economies of scale to be able to have a management staff, have an on-site resident manager, hire a maintenance staff, and also leveraging got easier because at 100 units, if we have 10 units vacant, we're only 10% vacant. But if I have a fourplex and I have one unit vacant, well, now then I'm 25% vacant. And the mortgage company is now looking particularly at the property first and foremost and making sure the property is performing. And then now I can focus on myself. So that's the first avenue there.
1: Why not 400 units or 200
0: units? Good question. We're open to go bigger now, but I think it was that first hurdle that I made myself into. And also, once I get past 200. From what I heard, I didn't have this experience to know, but I was competing with a much larger player, maybe a REIT and and other institutional funds that were allowed to buy stuff at more aggressive rates than we were able to afford because we are syndicating the deals and looking to make certain returns for our investors.
1: Okay. So what type of returns were you looking for when you were searching for properties?
0: We wanted to be able to get into the point where we were going to have an investor come in we were looking to offer a preferred return of 8% and cash flow for that. So we were looking at cap rates that we wanted to be at 7 or 8 and cash on cash, we wanted to be at 10%. So we're not into the best areas of Louisville, but we're not into the worst areas of Louisville. It's basically a blue collar area where you may have some people working on the line. It's going to have some crime just like any area would, but it's just moderate crime level. Maybe they'll have some vandalism or other points from time to time. And it has strong population growth and it has very low vacancy for the area. Even though there's 600 different apartments just in our general blocks, there's that 3% for the market right there.
1: You said 1970 or newer. Why not 1965, 1960, or 1980?
0: You know, when we were looking at just the construction that was built in that area, that seemed to be like when there was a lot of boom in, in building for that particular area. So we were searching there for that, and different property types that actually fit the submarket we were in. So we found that 1980 construction in that submarket, it was almost eliminating a lot of the properties there. Just from moving homes and lifting homes, of course, the older the property gets, the more problems we always have. And so we put 1970 there as a safeguard, just so we're not running into a lot of issues that may come up with older properties.
1: Quick example, what would be an example of an older property when you're lifting a house? Let's pretend you got a 1970 build house and a 1960 build house. What would be some potential problems with a 60 that you might not get with the 70?
0: There's different framing techniques and there's one that was back at the time they used to call it balloon framing would mean is that actually the walls of the house would get built straight onto the foundation and then the floor would get built straight into the foundation. So the floor was almost separate from the walls. So when I go to lift a house like that, if I was just to lift it underneath the floor, the floor mm. would just lift up by itself and the walls would stay <laughs> down the foundation. So of course, no one would be happy with that model. <laughs> so we have to lift that in a different way when we tie it together. Well, somewhere down the line, someone came up with the idea to move to Western framing or conventional framing where they actually build on the sill they'll put the floor and on top of that they'll build the walls so it's tied together
1: and in terms of because you're not picking up and moving the apartment community god willing you're not doing that so in terms of the 60 versus 70 why 70 versus 60 there
0: we get into the point where we may, and it still happens even in the 70s construction, some of the wiring may be different. So we may have some upgrades for wiring. We're running into the point where one of our properties, it was missed during all the inspections, but it had aluminum wiring in there. And that's made that a little bit difficult. We had to change up our insurance package on the complex. Certain things that are now becoming a norm, GFIs and other points as we get, we're already installed in a building where our funding and our financing for it is required. That's so what I was one of the CapEx items that we had to tackle day one when we got onto the Property just it, we had a timeline of six months that that had to be part of it. So, the older the properties, the more non conforming they are, are to today's standards, especially in fire codes and other safety issues. So, the farther we go back, the more we're going to run into that. There just there wasn't many codes those days, and they were just kind of the wild west.
1: During the due diligence, I know you were doing a lot of due diligence on the property in the inspection period. Who was responsible for the? identifying aluminum wiring. It seems like that usually comes with the property condition assessment.
0: We have five buildings within the 94 units and one of the five buildings was 14 units. It was actually missed on all points between the property management inspection and the initial insurance inspection. Wow. So it was missed three times. So only after the fact was it found. How was it found? They came back for now, this was a pre-inspection prior to closing and then it was a post-inspection post-closing with a few items that had to be tackled and they discovered it then.
1: How does that change your projections with insurance costs?
0: Funny enough, we are now into a different package that is actually running with the same coverage, but we had to split off that building from the other four buildings. So under the same LLC, we now have two insurance packages, one just Mm -hmm. for that building and then one for the other four buildings. And it's within a couple hundred dollars. It put us on a big timeline because that package that we currently had to start the property was canceling at a timeline that we had to get this other program in place.
1: Okay. Now more high level, what you said you were looking for opportunities that had upside or run inefficiently. What's the business plan for this property?
0: Well, we were very patient and we're continuing to be patient in finding properties. This one the owner of the property is actually in his 90s and the kids, I'll call them kids, are in their 60s and they have 1,000 units in Kentucky and this was their one large one. A lot of the other portfolio was made up of single family homes. The kids are not in the business and weren't in the business and they thought this would be the easiest one to move off. Maybe it was the most trouble because it was the largest one. There was many different elements here. The rents were substantially under market. They're between 75 to $100 per unit under market. They weren't charging application fees. They had a number of pets in the units. They were actually not allowing pets, and they still had pets in the units where all the other apartment complexes around have $300 non-refundable deposits and pet fees. They currently have two basements that were just used as storage. We've taken those out, so just storage of just random items left from the site. We've taken them out, and we're putting in storage units in the basements. We're going to be able to get, based on comps in the area, $35 per unit. For each store unit. We're doing that as a test because we have room to build another 24 down there. Mm-hmm. Ask that it is an all owner's paid property for utilities. So a lot of our play there is that we're losing a ton of revenue just on our utility purchases because of being based on the 70s, you have high flush toilets, the 3.8 gallon toilets. So we're taking those out for all low flush toilets. We're changing out shower heads, basically faucets, looking to reduce our water bill by an estimated 30%. So that's in the process right now. The boilers, two of the five buildings are on boilers. And they're rough to say kindly. So we are replacing those boilers, which are probably running at best about 40% with 82% boilers. And then lastly, we're changing out all the windows, which are our biggest CapEx item there because they're the old, it's brick facades or the old windows with the aluminum frame right there. So once we do improve our heat, that the heat's not just billowing out the old windows. Mm Mm-hmm. I normally would question
1: the window changing, but since it's an all bills paid property and you're paying the expenses for utilities, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, they're the old guillotine windows too. So for a lot of these, it's just a safety factor as well. And we really wanted to get these out is that we think our plan is to resell at at year five, and this is really going to help us on the resale as well.
1: Uh huh. By doing these improvements. Will that help your insurance go down at all?
0: We've also put in a few other things in here is that we are in an area where we may have some conditional tenants, meaning that their threshold for their application may be on the borderline, where we put other points in like lease lock and some other things to help on the application side that is helping our insurance. There's a green initiatives program there that it's just been implemented. I believe it was trying to be implemented right when Trump came into City, and it kind of got backburned for that. And so it's just been putting in place now. It's like they're trying to find a way into that program. And we walked in the door and said, hey, do you have anything like this? So we are looking to be the guinea pig in that program. And that could bring us a lot of tax credits back if we do all these points to basically make the property more green.
1: Okay. How much money did you have to raise and how did you raise it?
0: It was all hands on deck. That's how we raised it. But we learned a lot. I guess it was an awesome experience. And we really did our top market was 750000 and we raised $725,000. Basically, we were able to roll some of the CapEx items that we were going to do on the property into the loan we got. It started with all family and friends. And that's how we really got out there is we had been talking about what we were trying to do for months and going out there telling people that, Hey, we are looking to buy apartment complexes. We don't have one, but if we do, this is the kind of apartment complex we're going to be looking for. And this is the returns that we are going to be offering when we do find this apartment. So it was many different layers. We were trying to make people comfortable with the idea that oh, here's Jason who does heavy construction, does some house flipping, and now he's buying apartment complexes. Mm -hmm. So how do we get them comfortable with the model? And for that, we wanted to set them up with a mock deal of how our deal was going to be structured once we did get into that. So when we did find this property, going back to them for the second time, it wasn't that hurdle of having to show them what we're doing. They already knew we were doing this. And now we had a property that was going to fit that model. So it was interesting. We had 13 people that were in on this first one, which is awesome. We're really excited for it. We had a lot of people who were were super interested, but there was a lot of different barriers for that. We had one gentleman who I believe he had started a business and he didn't realize his tax burden was going to be so high. And he had committed money to put in for this. And I think he felt bad telling us what had happened. So we were about three weeks out, and all of a sudden he told us that, and I think he was putting in a pretty good amount of money. So that was, of course, a surprise, and it happened. So we just rolled with it, figured it out, and got to the finish line. How
1: would you figure it out?
0: You know, we just got the word back out there. We had constantly been talking about this, knowing that this isn't going to be the only one. Mm -hmm. And so for that, we are looking to do more. So we were telling people that we really want to continue this growth in this process. So even when we hit our raise mark, we were still talking to people as we were looking for future projects. So Mm -hmm. we were able to just go to other people that were interested in it.
1: What's the least and what's the most anyone put into it?
0: A hundred and twenty-five thousand and twenty-five thousand.
1: Okay. And did you invest alongside with them?
0: I did. I felt like that was really important especially on the first run here is that they need to know that I'm committed to this too. This wasn't something I'm trying. This is something I'm committed to doing and committed to accomplishing. Mm -hmm. And I feel super confident in the property. I know it's a great property. We're really excited about the property and how it's going to perform.
1: And how much did you put into
0: it? I put in a hundred.
1: Okay. And did they ask that question when you're talking about the deal?
0: You know, It was a mixed bag. I I think the biggest question I got, so we'll say half did and half didn't, believe it or not. The one question I got throughout was who's going to run this property? That was an important question. We use a third party professional management there. They currently have 5,500 units under management. And that was one of the biggest Mm -hmm. pieces that we put in place prior to looking for this property was making sure we had a team on the ground when we got there.
1: For someone who wants to do a apartment syndication, but has not yet, what advice would you give them?
0: We set ourselves up in the market that we felt very comfortable with based on the metrics. We wanted to have strong population growth. There was at least people moving in over what was moving out as simply enough. We wanted there to be jobs and all the jobs weren't tied up into one sector. We didn't have 20% or more tied into one different area. If that employer left, we were going to have some big dip. And then The big thing was to put together a team. We're not there, so we wanted to find, based on referrals and making a lot of calls and making a lot of entryways and meeting people in bigger pockets and different sites, we started finding property management companies that specifically dealt with what we were looking for. They not managed just a thousand single-family homes. They were not just into new construction. They were a management company that particularly focused on B and C apartment complexes, and they were very comfortable with that niche. And even more importantly, they had over 5,000 units under management. So if I got 94 units, it wasn't going to be this big hurdle for them. It was just something they could put right into play with early the tools they had there. And then the next piece is we actually found that deal with the property manager, but we did keep meeting brokers and that's really helped us now finding more properties in the area.
1: mm mm-hmm. Sounds like the team, in particular, the property management company, you've gone back to that a couple of times. That was important stuff to get this deal done.
0: Yeah, it's definitely for us the most important part because they're your face there. They're your representation there. They're putting together the plan that you have in your vision for making this property work. They're the ones implementing that plan. So if they're not comfortable with this property or with the program, then you need to move on to the next.
1: Got it. How do you make sure that you're finding the right management company?
0: It was, I wouldn't say trial by error, but we called a lot. We started talking to different management companies, just finding out their context. And for this management company in particular, a lot of other management companies were saying no, that it's not our niche, but this management company did this. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, we talked to other investors that were there in the market that were using them for their experience for them. And then lastly, we went out there and met this management company. We actually were vetting them just based on other properties we were looking at. We wanted them to really give us their honest feedback. And that's probably the most important thing is maybe you can go in there and improve rents. Maybe you can go in there and improve the look at a property, but most likely the property is going to operate at a efficient cost to run the property. And for them to be able to be honest with us, not tell us that it's going to cost us per unit just to make the property look good. If it costs $3,700 per unit per year to run the property, great. That's what we want to know because we're not expecting you're going to run it for any less and we can always factor that in.
1: Okay. Your initial projections versus what the property management company said after they looked at your projections, what changed, if anything?
0: I would say we were very conservative. We were still conservative going into the deal. Just for most of it, we were putting in a lot of different barriers because it was our first one. And that can be a good and a bad thing because if you make it so conservative on your point where you're so outside the box, you're never going to be able to get into the property. On the same part, we were bringing other investors' money in there. It was our first one we were going into. So we wanted to have that step where we had just a lot of comfort in there. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things, we didn't anticipate that we would be able to increase rents As much as we've actually been able to. We're actually $19 over where we anticipated, even when we brought the property, which Mm. is great. So we're really happy with that. And so far, I mean, we're only a couple months in, but. So far, the changes with procedure out there, we've actually been able to keep our expenses at where we think we should be operating, a little bit over where we should be operating, but definitely not in the top line where this property could run if it was running very poorly like it was before.
1: Based on your experience as a real estate investor in general, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: You have to get started. You just have to get started. And I would say that... You're always afraid of the unknown, but you can't let it stop you from taking a step because you'll realize that you'll be so scared of something bad that's going to happen, but most likely that bad thing never happens. And and when it does happen, it's usually not as bad as you you had imagined it. So for us jumping into this large apartment complex, it was a huge thing. It was a big step for us, but if we hadn't set up the steps and just kind of jumped off the cliff into it, we would never get there.
1: Your investor or investors who invested 125000 not looking for names, obviously, but how did you meet them? And I ask for best ever listeners who are wondering how they can find investors who invest six figures.
0: Sure. High school. One was from high school. Another one had started looking into doing this himself. And it was very curious of going out there and buying apartment complexes and, and was stunning as much as he could. But he was just so busy with his job. He had just had two kids and he saw this as a great avenue where he could also learn a lot about the process too.
1: Okay. How'd you structure it with them? You said 8% preferred return, and then what else?
0: We did an 8% preferred return, and how we're looking to go forward with our deals. 8% preferred return with a 70 30 split. And if we hit a marker of 20% IRR, it would drop to a 50-50 split in the back end.
1: Got it. Simple enough. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I hope so. (laughs) I think you are. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with bestselling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book, lots of good real world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at com. Okay, best ever book you've read.
0: It's always the last book, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad, of course, is the one that really, really sets your mind into the right motion. So we'll, we'll stick with that. What's the last book you read? Actually, Jason Boozy's Smash Your Alarm Clock. It doesn't have much actual stuff, but <laughs> someone said, it, well, not, not, well like, I guess let's not say it the wrong way. It does. <laughs> it just shows that it's the same thing. You got to take steps and do it, and you're going to get kicked and knocked down a hundred different times. But you're not out there running into a field with bullets. You're doing something that you hopefully want to be doing. So take the steps, go after whatever that wants to be. You want to open a franchise or you just want to get a better job. You just have to take steps and take action.
1: What's the best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about already?
0: You know, actually we're flipping homes and we do marketing and the marketing brings a lot of deals that just don't fit our specific model. And we decided that we were going to start wholesaling deals. And we just had a double close on a $111,000 Wholesale, which was a pretty large one that we weren't even marketing specifically to this area. And it just happened to be really one that a lot of people really want to jump on.
1: That's great. So $111,000 wholesale, is that your profit or is that the price that you're wholesaling it for?
0: That's the profit.
1: You made six figures on the wholesale.
0: You made six figures on the wholesale. And the great story here for this one is the homeowner need to get out. They're making a good amount of money. So they, we were able to buy it at a great price for them. This is a great play for the back end, for the B2C, whoever is going, the person buying this transaction, because they are now able to go in there and they have a couple options where it works still as a rental. Mm-hmm. There is a price per square foot in this market. They're getting $500 per square foot for a renovated unit. So they have a ton of upside on to it. And if I was working in that area, man, I would even think to keep it but it wasn't the right fit, so you just had to make a quick move.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. <laughs> but you had to make no, the move, I'm so sorry. No, sure. no. You know. <laughs> $110,000 profit.
0: Yeah. I would say that if I ever got anything close to this again, I'd be shocked. Yeah,
1: was- well, hey, you really just need one and then do something smart with that money. How did you get that lead?
0: Direct mail. And one of our team members actually went out there and met with them And then came back and talked to me and I went and met with them again. And we put it under contract It just, I I felt as a really good number for them and us. It was a win-win.
1: What's a mistake you've made on a transaction?
0: You always make mistakes, right? So that you learn to them. I actually didn't make a mistake on one of our flips where I'll give you two quick ones. We brought a house and it was a hoarder house. And I thought a room was a bathroom that I couldn't get to. (laughs) There was like Christmas lights that were running the house together and piles of trash it ended up being no bathroom on the first floor. So that was a whole different charge I had to put in there. And another one was heavy construction one when we were moving a house that we were working on part of our flip, just going back to that framing issue. I missed on lining up a foundation based on the framing just on carrying too many projects. And so that's why you had to put more team members and more checks in place. Mm.
1: What's the best ever way you like to give back?
0: I lost a lot of friends in high school, all from just things that were accidents. And it very unrelated, happened for a number of different years. It was just a very weird time where you just didn't know how to handle it. And there's a group that was started. And one of the friends who passed away, his father is chairman on the board. It's called Imagine. And they're a center for basically grief and loss coping. I'm sorry, I'm not Giving it the best run there, but it allows children and parents who have been faced with this element, a community to come together and be able to talk about. It. Because lots of times, if you're a kid who's 13 or 14 and you've lost someone very close, or you even lost a parent prematurely, mm. you go back to school and you don't know how to react. Other people don't know how to react to you. And this community is allowed, it's now has 7,000 members across New Jersey, and it's running in about, I don't want to say it incorrectly, but it has two different facilities and carries a bunch of different counties where it allows people to have a base where they can get that support.
1: And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Sure.
0: You can see more about us for our house lifting at WABuildingMovers.com, or you can email me at infooakcappartners.com. At
1: Cool. Jason, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking to us about this first apartment syndication. 94 units in a state that you don't live in but you did have familiarity with and you did qualify it based on predetermined criteria. How you found it and what you look for and how you're able to close the deal. Family, friends, property management, partnership, and a bunch of resourcefulness along the way. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your story. Hope you have a best ever day
0: and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Joe. It was Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.